every decision they make can have an effect on our lives. Well, I'm not a crook. We had to push and shove our way through a crowd of several hundred Vietnamese. My fellow Americans, I've said on several occasions that I wouldn't comment about the recent congressional hearings on the Iran-Contra matter. Skies over Baghdad have been illuminated. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Immediately, there's speculation or cause for concern. This is the World Trade Center that was the center of a terrorist bombing. What difference at this point does it make? Protesters have now broken into the U.S. Capitol. This is Our Lives in Politics on the America Out Loud Network with your host Booker Scott and Lou Basada. We're seeing it all over the country in major cities. The crime rates are going up and criminals are walking right out of jails. During the summer of love in 2020, when BLM was burning down cities like Minneapolis, we saw Kamala Harris even help bail criminals out of jail. A lot of these cities have district attorneys that have been supported in their local campaigns by George Soros. In fact, some estimates have Soros-backed DAs in 20% of the country's DA offices. We seem to always need to have that adversarial figure to be the bad guy, and the name Soros seems to work for most of us. But what exactly is he about? What exactly is he doing? And what has he done to help deteriorate America's legal system? And to a greater extent, what has he done to help destroy America? We'll get into that and hope to provide some answers by the guy that actually wrote the book on Soros. And he's the content director for the Dan Bongino Report. You may see him from time to time on Fox News in short segments, but here we'll have a bigger conversation with Matt Palumbo. I'm Booker, and thanks for being the greatest part of the America Out Loud Network and also supporting this program. This hour is brought to you by 4Patriots.com. Use the promo code OUTLOUD for a 10% discount at 4Patriots.com. To set this conversation up about Soros, I'm going to play just a bit of a liberal podcast. The name of it is The Majority Report with Sam Cedar. And here she's talking about Candace Owens, and Candace Owens has a conspiracy theory. Candace Owens is back at it again, going as far as possible in order to keep right-wingers uh, happy and watching her show. She feels the need to, to consistently go above and beyond in her rhetoric. In this instance, though, she takes a standard Republican talking point about George Soros, who has donated money to a group called Color of Change, which has spent ads and done ads on behalf of progressive DA uh, candidates throughout the country, including Alvin Bragg. This is why you hear Soros-funded prosecutor going after Trump, Soros-funded prosecutor going after Trump. At the root of that conspiracy is that really what they believe these people are not sophisticated, you know, black people, progressives, not sophisticated enough. So the Jews are really controlling the scenes, uh, the string, or pulling the strings, controlling things behind the scenes and using these useful idiots as their puppets. That really is the implication of the conspiracy theory. OK, I will also say that I am against the amount of money that are in politics but I don't focus on one guy as the big boogeyman. And there's a reason that the right only focuses on one guy. But here you go. I have this theory, and just looking at everything that he's done, it seems very bizarre that he has such hatred for really the people that liberated him, right? <laughs> if if yeah. he believed that the Nazis were so backwards and were so awful, 
How could he then spend his life having such contempt for Americans? Why would he be trying to foster the end of America? Why would he be wanting the cities to be crime filled and releasing criminals onto the street via his district attorneys? It doesn't make sense. And so I said to myself, is it plausible? Can you pause it? That- All right. You know why it doesn't make sense, Candace? Is because he's now trying to bring about the destruction of America. So many of us think of George Soros. We know the name. But do we know everything about George Soros and his whole organization? Where are all the tentacles? Where are they located? For years, we know he has put district attorneys in office in places like St. Louis, Los Angeles, and of course, lately, Alvin Bragg in New York and Manhattan has been in the news with the indictment of Trump. So his tentacles are reaching out everywhere. And and one thing sometimes people forget about is he was heavily involved in getting Sheriff Pinzone elected in Maricopa County in Arizona. Of course, Maricopa County was the county that had the audit during the 20 election. And guess who was the one that would not allow the routers and any electronics to be uh, audited? That was that Sheriff Pinzone that George Soros spent $2 million to get into office. So... I don't have the answers. You guys know that. But I try to get people that do know answers to come and tell us about it. I have a gentleman that does some work for Dan Bongino, but he's also an author. He's a New York Times best-selling author. He was the author of Man Behind the Curtain, Inside the Secret Network of George Soros. He also wrote Dumb and Dumber, How Cuomo and DeBozo Ruined New York shattering liberal lies and then back in 2018 he wrote spygate his name is matt palumbo matt welcome to our lives and politics no thank you so much for having me on you heard that little conversation there i had with myself trying to trying to kind of set you (laughs) up these tentacles george soros has been at this for years and i know that people have become aware of him probably in the last three four years where he's become well known but he's been around for years and years hasn't he Oh, the guy's been around for decades. And, you know, part of what motivated me, motivated me to write the book was, you know, he's a character where everyone sort of has an idea he's behind things. Like, you can go to any internet comment section whenever there's a protest and there's someone saying, you know, I bet Soros is behind this. And, you know, a lot of the time they're right. But, you know, I kind of felt like there's a lot of information out there, but no one person has just kind of gone through it all and synthesized it and just put it in one coherent format. And, you know, as, as I've kind of learned from uh, managing Bungina report, uh, you know, the news aggregator that you alluded to, uh, there's definitely a lot of value, I think, in just stripping down information when there's so much in the world. So that was my goal with the book was just say, all right, here's all these things Soros is, you know, accused of doing. And, you know, here's, you know, the reality. And the reality is, you know, even the, the craziest sounding conspiracy about the guy is uh, I use the term directionally correct. They, uh, you know, all the details might not be completely accurate, but, uh, Generally speaking, he does enjoy a, a very big uh, uh, army of influence. And I just divide the book into different chapters on these spheres of influence. So one, for instance, is has to do with his media connections. And one of the ways he, he enjoys control over the media is, you know, in addition to donating to places like PBS or NPR or these public outlets or, or, or buying um, you know, entire radio stations is he gives to uh, journalism related organizations. And a lot of these organizations will have people on their board that work for CNN, CBS, ABC. I mean, the book, I, you know, I list them all out. It's, it's all household names. It's all things you would recognize. And it is unquestionable that it has an impact on their coverage. And 
you know, I know a lot of liberals like to sort of mock us as, you know, picturing Soros mm-hmm. picking up a phone and calling, you know, these outlets directly, but he doesn't even need to. You know, Correct. if if Philip Morris gives a million dollars to a politician, he doesn't need to tell the politician, oh, by the way, you know, you're pro-tobacco now. It is kind of implicit with the money. And if you are someone in any way connected to Soros and you're taking the guy's money, you know, you might not actively seek out to do positive coverage on the guy. But if you are pitched a story that is negative, you are they're just going to either ignore it or if they do report it. And this is sort of their most common strategy. They report it as a conspiracy theory. We actually see this with uh, it's actually a very common strategy. Whenever a liberal screws up, the the story is always framed as like get a load of these Republicans who are upset about something. It's always kind of uh, they always try to portray it as the GOP being unreasonable. And they do that with the Soros stuff as well. They try to act like we're the crazy ones for noticing. There's sort of a war on noticing or they'll say it's anti-Semitic because he's Jewish. And it's funny because a very common uh comment I see in like the YouTube and the rumble comments when I criticize that point is I didn't even know the guy was Jewish. And I, I mean, a lot of people did, you know, it's just such right. a stupid smear that we, we actually hear. Um, so that's just one sphere of influence. And uh, I guess, you know, I'll, uh, at risk of going on too much of a tangent, I'll uh, maybe um, go through the other ones in future questions. Yeah. And his son, George Soros Jr. is obviously, first of all, George Soros is about 90 years old. So he's, mm-hmm. he's not going to be around forever. And so who yeah. does he pass those reins off to? And we see just recently this week that uh, George Soros Jr. has been to the White House 14 times so far since Biden has been inaugurated. So what's that? Once every six weeks he's going. And the Open Society Foundation under George Soros, that's his, uh, his uh, organization, has $20 billion in bank accounts. Mm-hmm. And this guy's, yeah. this guy's marching into the White House. Yeah, if you if you read Soros's uh, the father George Soros's writings, and you know more than a decade ago, he was skeptical about continuing his Open Society Foundation. That's his uh, you know so called charitable vehicle. That's really just uh, you know political pack basically. But his concern was, and he cited examples in the past of you know notable charitable foundations where over the decades or centuries they've really strayed from the founders' path. Um, but those does not seem to be a fear of him anymore. In fact, he's donated almost all of his fortune uh, to his own foundation to sort of continue from beyond the grave. Um, and it seems like the son, Alex, uh, is his name, is the one who's probably going to be taking over. Um, and even as is, he is, I think there's seven board members, six or seven board members. Three of them are Soros family members. So the Soros family is going to maintain control over this organization even after George is dead. Uh, and as for Alex, he himself, I mean, he's only in his 30s. He's donated around $11 million of his own cash. Uh, and he's meeting with a lot of different people. And one of the things I, I thought was of note, and I mentioned this on Fox, was it's a lot of national security people. And, you know, it's happening at a time where, listen, there is going to be tens to hundreds of billions of dollars flowing to Ukraine. Uh, I have an entire chapter in the book just on the Soros connections in Ukraine because uh, you know, his, his first foray into politics was in a lot of post-Soviet countries, uh, not coincidentally because they're, they're sorry, co- uh, not coincidentally because they're very prone to corruption. Um, but hey, it's, it's a country, Ukraine, Soros has had a lot of influence in. There's billions of dollars from meeting with a lot of national security people. Now, I'm not making any specific allegation, but I think that's definitely something to keep an eye on because whenever there's money going around and there's a Soros, I, I think, you know, there, there's going to be something. Yeah, I would say there's smoke, but uh, I'm looking for the fire. But that's something of note. 
And and you don't even really need to take our word, my word for it. If you go on his Instagram account, his Twitter, his Facebook, it's almost like he's bragging. Uh, it is a politician with a, a picture with every progressive Democrat, Hillary, Schumer, uh, Pelosi, etc. Um, and then even you know their their European counterparts uh, that Americans really aren't as, as familiar with, but are other you know similarly powerful people abroad. And it's going to be interesting to see too if they you know, try to shift and make, you know, pointing out Alex's connection to conspiracy theory as well, given they are so open to the public and just so out there. There's an ideology that exists that would be counter to ours, 180 mm-hmm. degrees. And it's very simple when George Soros, Alex Soros run around with billions of dollars to influence, uh, you mentioned the media earlier, but let's go into some of the races and how he politically kind of changed the landscape by doing it locally. Because I think if, if there's something that we can learn and take away from George Soros is the way he went about uh, making the district of attorneys in, in so many of these cities a part of that ideology and putting them into office through, through his donations. Yeah, so Soros, you know, his first uh, entry into American politics was trying to influence our presidential elections and he obviously, you know, tried to stop George W. Bush twice, failed both times. Uh, he donated millions to Obama, then would later complain that Obama didn't do enough for him. So he, uh, I think, very quickly uh, became frustrated with those attempts. And, you know, if you think about it, hey, there's billions of dollars going around in those elections. And if Soros donates 10 or 20 million, well, you know, if we divide that into billions, it's not that much. But he realized, and this is, you know, the genius of Soros, unfortunately, uh, there are a lot of local elections, and people don't really pay attention to them, and it makes it a lot easier to buy an election. So that's you know the part one is it's very easy to get people in office. Uh, but the the second part of this and why it is so dangerous is there are no checks and balances on a DA. So you know you can have let's say a state where the death penalty is legal, but if you are someone who's anti death penalty, you know instead of changing the law, what you do is you install a DA who's anti death penalty. And they simply don't enforce it. And then there's therefore no death penalty. And you can do that with literally any law. So we saw in San Francisco, um, one of the hilarious things that happened was, it's not, not ha-ha funny, but, but the, the, you know, there was almost every single day under Chase Abuda in there, there was the Soros DA. There was some viral video of like a, a, you know, almost like a flash mob looting of a Walgreens or some convenience store. Yeah, and that was happening. Yeah, that was happening as you actually looked at the reported stats it actually looked like those kind of crimes were growing down. So, so how is that possible? Well, he stopped enforcing basically all misdemeanors and shoplifting under a grand is a misdemeanor. Mm-hmm. So he legalized shoplifting. And well, no shop owner is going to report shoplifting if the police can't do anything. So he basically redefined the crime out of existence and then tried to claim that because it was going down on paper that things were getting better. Um, now, you know, there are obviously other statistics you can look at that prove the opposite. If you looked at, for instance, the number of businesses closing due to shoplifting, that was skyrocketing. If you looked at, you know, the cost to insure against um, shoplifting, that was skyrocketing. So all the other data reflected reality, but he was kind of trying to uh, torture the data there. And it's the same story with every DA. I have a whole chapter in the book on it called George Soros Goes Local, where I profile most of them, uh, not all of them, there's 75 total, and he's invested around $40 million. But it's really just a same story with all of them. These are people who, and, and I, you know, I, I, as a hopefully sane individual, it's hard for me to say what motivates them, <laughs> if not insanity or mental illness. But these are all people who 
view criminals as victims and speak about them as if it's somehow our fault or if, if, you know, if only an extra grand was spent on some social program at some point, then they wouldn't be forced to do this. Uh, it is just a, an insane way of viewing things. Um, in fact, uh, you know, there was some California politician recently, or I think it was this, last week, who was saying something like, we'll be safer if we have criminals in our communities because the alternative is to take them away from their families. So it's just, it, it's, it's this sort of post-reality politics. And it seems that Democrats have really learned absolutely nothing from the defund the police experiment, from the progressive prosecutors experiment, in that there was in, in 2020, I think one of the biggest Increases in the homicide rate in this country since the 60s. It continued um, it, back throughout 2021 and has only slowed down since. But while it was a national crime wave, if you isolate uh, just the cities with Soros-backed DAs, which is unfortunately accounts for about a, a quarter or a fifth of the U.S. population, uh, they were rising at a much faster rate. So, so yes, it was a national phenomenon, but they poured even more gasoline on the fire. And you know, the, the, the big takeaway is there's not one city where Soros installs a DA and crime goes down. Um, you know, their, their promise is, and, you know, the rhetoric is, and I would say never fall for this, is, hey, we want to not prosecute low-level crimes because we want to save resources for high-level crimes. Listen, that may be their sales pitch, but never once has it materialized. So the thing is, even if it were true that that style of policing works, which it doesn't, but even if it was, they still don't actually do that. They pretty much stop enforcing all sorts of crimes, um, there, there was one prosecutor recently, Buddha Bibaraj, who she herself repeated that logic. She said, you know, I don't want to enforce traffic tickets so I can uh, enforce more domestic assault cases. Uh, her own office, her first year in office, uh, cut in half the number of domestic abuse cases she was actually trying. Um, and, and her office lost funding as a result of it. So none of these people actually believe they're on rhetoric. They are pro-criminal individuals and they may try to use some nice rhetoric of, you know, hey, we don't want to throw people in jail for smoking pot, which doesn't happen, by the way. But, you know, that, that's, that's how they portray it. So it yeah. is everything they say is a lie and they know better. When you look at a guy like Alvin Bragg, and, and not just him, but, but other people, and by the way, the San Francisco DA that was, uh, we say, installed, you, you, say, you say installed by Soros. Um, he yeah, that's is, how I put it, yeah. Yeah, he, he has since been removed from... Uh, that office in San Francisco, the people of San Francisco even got tired of it. But when you getting back to Alvin Bragg in St. Louis and the, in Chicago, these other places, but specifically Alvin Bragg, you look at him and what exactly are his qualifications as an outstanding attorney to make him a district attorney? How did, how does George uh, Soros go about absolutely it? Nothing. That, that's well, that, what it that's appears like thing. to me. That, that's the thing. It's absolutely nothing. In fact, it's really the least qualified people are the most likely to receive Soros funding. And it's, it's the odd thing about Soros is he will openly admit he's doing this. So he wrote uh, an, a Wall Street Journal op-ed, I believe, in 2021 called Why I Support Reform Prosecutors, where he tries to defend all this stuff. So in the abstract, he admits, I, George Soros, fund this stuff. But whenever one of them individually screws up or has some humiliating, you know, failure. So with Chase Abudin, he got recalled. Then Soros does the strategy of making it a conspiracy. So he actually denied funding Chase Abudin. He didn't say, you know, he lost because of a right-wing campaign. He didn't even try to spin it. He just lied and said he never funded the guy. Um, so that's sort of the level of desperation. And the same thing happened with Alan Bragg, where, yeah, it obviously doesn't look great. The optics aren't great when, you know, you have a DEA who campaigned on convicting Trump gets backed by Soros and then indicts Trump. 
So Bragg or uh, Soros is trying to come out and say, like, well, you know, I've while I may have given money to him, I've never, you know, met the guy or, you know, uh, had a meeting with the guy. As if that makes a difference. Like if you're giving a guy a million dollars, you know, as I said earlier, the, the implications are kind of clear. And and the fact checkers, which, you know, you put a, qu- a quotation or a, parent- a quotation marks around fact checker sure. are trying to, like, get cute and be like, well, technically Soros didn't fund him. Uh, a super PAC funded him yeah. because Soros laundered them. Well, not laundered, not, I didn't launder in the, t- in the typical sense, but it, you know, funneled it through a super PAC called Color of Change. And the timing on that is uh, this is back in May 2021. Color of Change, which is this anti-police, you know, anti-law enforcement pack, said we want a million dollars to back Alvin Bragg. And six days later, Soros cut the check for a million dollars. So. Uh, I think it was uh, Glenn Kessler at the Washington Post who uh, his excuse why this wasn't true was that he emailed Color of Change and they said it was a coincidence and he just takes their word for it because they're you know sonographers for the, for the left. Yeah. Uh, but that's really the level of desperation they're trying to get through to deny the funding. I think one of Color of Change's other excuses was they only ended up spending half a million on Bragg. And what what actually happened there was there was like some sexual harassment allegation against Bragg. I can't remember what happened with it. So instead of instead of pulling funding like you should do, they they decided, all right, well, you know what? We'll pull half his funding. Like I guess as if he's like half guilty of the crime. I, I don't know how that works. That was uh, what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, real quick, we'll we'll get off subject of Soros for a minute and let's go to uh, Bragg and and Trump. What's yeah. your, what's your sense? of that indictment and the charges, you, you know they're going to be going into a, a heavily Democrat liberal jury and judge. We already know about the judge. So it, for those of us that look at it and say, this is stupid, this doesn't make sense, this will never fly, it could fly, couldn't it? Well, that's the thing is, you know, hopefully maybe he'll get a trial in Staten Island, which is more Republican. But yeah, the, the judge is going to need to buy it in like some anti-Republican pack. And Yes, it was a small amount of money. I think it was like 20 bucks to yeah. each. But whether it's 20 or 2,000, if you support them, you support them. It's binary. It's either you support Democrats or you don't. And the money shows he does. So, you know, to me, a $20 donation is no different than a $10,000 one. The point is he supports them. Um, so, yeah, I think it's biased there. And I, I think the media angle or we would actually report on it um, if, it, you know, if the parties were reversed. Um, now, when it comes to the legitimacy of, of the, these charges, the way I put it like is this. Um, we can kind of over say, you know, this might sound like I'm oversimplifying it, but, you know, if you turned on CNN or MSNBC any time during the Trump presidency, uh, which I don't recommend, but if you did, uh, every single day was some wall is closing in, Trump is screwed, oh my God, we finally got him type of story. And, you know, these charges result from that Stormy Daniels story from five years ago. And if there really was this smoking gun that was going to take down Trump, it was sitting out in the open that entire time, and not one person noticed it until a DA gets elected who himself said my, his number one priority is to take down Trump. So what's more likely, that he's this brilliant legal mind and he's the only guy who realized this? Or is it that he has a political agenda that he's openly admitted and campaigned on and was able to twist reality to fit what he wants? And I, you know, to, to ask the question kind of answers it. Yeah, I think- and even if you know, again, to I don't recommend watching CNN, but I watched some of their coverage of this. Even people like Dan Jones were predicting it wasn't going to stick. Jake Tapper had doubts. So it's you know, if even the dumbest people in politics are coming to these conclusions, I think <laughs> that uh, it's probably going to go nowhere. And, and I guess one last point too is 
Uh, they also further revealed their hand, and they set the trial for December, right when primary season starts. So yeah. it's like, could, you know, could you be more obvious that the goal is to interfere with the election? And, and, think, and that's you know? that's just the first hearing. So it's gonna it's gonna stretch into twenty four. Yeah, and I know there are a lot of Republicans who think that kind of the Democrat strategy with this is they want Trump to be the front runner because they think he's easier to beat. And I just don't think that's it at all. I really think these people just want the guy in jail, and this is their really last-ditch effort to do that, uh, unfortunately. But I think, you know, they, they've sort of been forced to do something where uh, they put themselves in a legally impossible-to-defend situation. So, you know, they might, the optics might even backfire in that there are going to be people who think, you know, maybe Trump did something wrong, but even so, the response is just so disproportionate. Well, and you see that Trump is raising more money and his poll numbers continue yep. to go up as a result of it. So, And, and I was going to say, and, they, and I think they deliberately didn't do the mugshot because they knew uh, <laughs> it would become like, like a, you know, almost symbolic, like, like, you know, the Frank Sinatra mugshot or, you know, all these other historical people. Yeah, it would be, um, it would be the commercial. Yeah. It would be the commercial correct, in 24. Correct. Yeah, they, yeah. they want to say, well, let's get back to George Soros a minute, because I think a lot of, uh, like I said at the beginning, people think it's some guy behind a curtain. He's pressing levers and pulling. He's the, the puppeteer uh, pulling all the strings for. And it's just not that way. And we've talked a little bit about it. Those tentacles go out all over from his organization. How do we beat it? I think I think well, maybe I that's the focus that we 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 concentrate too much on the big boogeyman that is George Soros without having a real strategy for combating it. What what is your thought process on that? Uh, well, I would say you know the, as, as for the influence, you know most of it is sort of you know him, you know not you know, as I said not making direct phone calls but just sort of fielding you know it, infiltrating organizations um, where they're incentivized to kind of kiss his butt. Uh, but there are examples I give in the book where it is the more literal picking up a phone. In fact, there is a chapter I have on on George Soros leaked documents from his Open Society Foundation. And there are emails with Hillary Clinton, John Podesta, like writing back like, hey, how are we going to stay in George's good graces? Maybe we should have this event that he would like and stuff like that. So or, or you know, Soros asking Hillary to hire certain appoint certain people to positions uh, when she was, um, you know, back in the uh, number of years ago. Um, so, so there definitely is that as well. But I argue with, you know, it's more indirect influence with the media, with the DAs. It's more direct in getting them elected. But the, you know, the, the really the contractual relationship is more indirect. Uh, but as for defeating it, uh, you know, I, I think my answer on Fox the other day was I was saying, you know, if there's any Republican billionaires watching this, some money wouldn't wouldn't hurt very much. <laughs> um, you, know, you know, the thing is, we we obviously have our own donors, but ours mostly focus on sort of economic or business issues right. as opposed to social ones like yeah. the Democrats do. So listen, I'm, I'm fiscally conservative, but I would like to see more money going into these law and order things and the other aspects of being conservative. Uh, one thing that I think would help would be, you know, in addition to just Republicans being more aware and, and boosting voter turnout would be, uh, I guess this is sort of the goal of the book is just more awareness of who these organizations are in the first place. So when people identify, you know, see them or, or see some expert quote in the media, they can immediately realize, oh, that's from a Soros back group. And just knowing that alone will highly discredit them, I think. Yeah, and we have to understand as conservatives who they are, what they do, and then we not only have to hope for some extra billionaires to come along and pop some money yeah. into things, which there are a few, but the same few seem to always back the same type of candidates on our side. 
Um, we need to, from a grassroots level, also understand it and get active in, in our local politics. And that's something that I advocate for all the time. And I think it, when you look at local races like George Soros has taken over, and you mentioned it earlier in our conversation, that they're easy to win. And it doesn't take a whole lot of people. And that's something that he recognized, I don't know how long ago, 20 years ago or longer, uh, when he started yeah, all this? Was, um, yeah, the first, his first foray was this thing called the Secretary of State Project. Um, this was after the, what was it, Bush? Yeah, Bush Gore, when, when obviously came down to Florida. So his whole thing was, we want to have left-wing Secretary of State, so if that situation ever happens again, you know, they'll do it in the Democrats' favor. Um, and, you know, had some success there. So I guess from there, that was the sort of this jumping off point to the local DAs. Um, and, it, you know, it, it's just so bizarre. It, you know, when, uh, I often get asked, like, what motivates him, given the chaos that this creates? And it's, under, you know, he cannot deny it. And it, it's one of those things, like, I just have to give what might sound like a lazy answer, but the guy is just an evil guy. Um, there's really no way to spin it, you know, in an intellectually honest way. And, you know, he does in obviously an intellectually dishonest way, but there is just no way anyone can look at any of the data and come to any conclusion other than we should be doing the exact opposite of what he's doing. You mentioned when the Soviet Union fell apart that he jumped in there pretty quickly. What? Well, he must have had success. Did he have success there? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that happened when the Soviet Union broke up is you have countries where all the major assets are owned by the state, and you have a lot of uh, communists in power, and they've got a lot of friends, and uh, they're not the, you know, they're, there are some particularly corrupt individuals in those governments. And when it comes to dividing up all those state assets, it disproportionately went to, you know, what we know as oligarchs, uh, but, you know, friends of the state. Um, and George Soros is one of those people who was able to make investments in Russia and some of these other countries, Ukraine, obviously a big one, where um, when they broke up, he was able to negotiate buying a lot of state assets for, you know, not, not quite pennies on the dollar, but uh, enough to make him a very uh, healthy profit. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Matt Palumbo. He's a New York Times bestseller. His book is uh, The Man Behind the Curtain, Inside the Secret Network of George Soros. He has several other books, too, so please look him up at Matt Palumbo. Matt, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at MattPalumbo12. That's mainly where I am, but I'm on Getter under the same screen name. And uh, and then, uh, yeah, those are the main two I'm on. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for joining Our Lives in Politics. Yeah, my pleasure. And I'll have to come back when the next book's out, too. If you've been paying any attention to the news lately, you see that Chinese jets, bombers, and ships in the South China Sea, they are hovering all around Taiwan right now. It's, it's a scary time in this world. But here's a question for you. Why is China hoarding massive amounts of food? Experts say that China has a massive amount of food, and they're soon going to have over two-thirds of the globe's corn reserves, over half of its rice, and over half of its wheat. But when asked about it, China just lies about it. One China expert says they, of course, will never admit to something like that. Well, what does China know that we don't? When it comes to global food shortages, China is sort of like the canary in the coal mine. You see, China is the world's number one food importer. They rely on the rest of the world to keep their people fed. So they really can't afford to mess it up. Or there will be riots, civil panic, and even worse, when over a billion people can't eat. Uh, What does that mean for Americans like you and me? Like us? Two words. Food shortages. That's why it's a smart idea to stock up on a kit of the best-selling 4Patriots survival food. 
Create your own stockpile of the best-selling Four Patriot Survival Food Kits. Hand-packed in the USA, the kits are compact and they stack easily. They have different delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, and their five-star reviews on the website rave about the flavor and the taste. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase of Four Patriots Survival Food by typing in the code OUTLOUD at checkout. Just go to fourpatriots.com and use the code OUTLOUD to get 10% off your first purchase at Four Patriots Survival Food. That's fourpatriots.com. Use the code OUTLOUD. And I have seen figures lately of the child sex trafficking business of being up to $50 billion. That is a massive business in this country, bigger than professional sports. We're going to get into that in just a minute here on Our Lives in Politics on the America Out Loud radio network. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe. Air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Did you know that doctors and nurses have been swabbing their noses with povidone iodine to protect from airborne threats like colds, flus, and pandemic-era strains for decades? 
Cofix RX took that idea and made a more complete nasal formula with lasting cleansing effects. Maybe you're traveling soon or going to an event. Are you concerned somebody nearby might be sick? Maybe the office or classroom stresses you out. Get yourself a bottle of Cofix RX nasal solution. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix Rex nasal solution cleanse. That's COFIXRX.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at CofixRx.com. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com. Seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to Our Lives in Politics here on the America Out Loud Radio Network. I'm Booker Scott, your host for this hour, which is brought to you by 4Patriots.com. And I mentioned a number going into that break that is astounding. $38 billion. That is how much money that it could be spent on child sex trafficking in this country. And it should stop. We all remember To Catch a Predator with Chris Hansen years ago and the work that he did, and and it kind of opened our eyes, but our eyes need to be opened more. And there's a gentleman that is doing everything he can in this country to bring attention to this huge problem. It's massive, and we're going to get him in here to talk to him. This gentleman started an organization called Vets for Child Rescue. You can find the website at vetsforchildrescue.org. His name is Craig Saulman Sawyer, a former Navy SEAL and a former U.S. Marshal. Now he puts those things to work in helping find some of these children. You know, 460,000 children go missing every year in this country, and some of them end up into the sex business. Craig, how big a problem is it? Well, thanks for having me on, Booker. It's a pleasure. Well, it's at epidemic scale. And the thing that really concerns those of us standing up for the children and trying to alert the populace is the level of cover-up or top cover, if you will, that this crime enjoys. How many seem to benefit from the way that it is and are uninclined to allow the truth to spread so that the populace is adequately educated and informed on it. Everybody deserves to understand what's happening and the children deserve the level of protection that that would bring. But that's all being circumvented. It's all being obstructed due to this this censorship of the truth. And it's very, very concerning. And the Vets for Child Rescue's mission really is to inform the populace on the factual evidence of what's really happening to the children so that we can all rally against it. Where are the customers coming from, Craig? They're, they're obviously, well, I, the end result is, is an, a transaction to have sex with a child, which is disgusting. But, but who are those customers? I'd like to say that you could spot them a mile away and they had some sort of tattoo on their forehead, but unfortunately it doesn't work that way. In our joint operations with law enforcement, we've caught and arrested people from every segment of society. You just 
can't tell because evil, which this is, uh, can manifest itself uh, through the heart of any man or woman. And that's, it's an individual thing. People, you know, we, we have free will to choose good or evil, and some choose to do wrong. And that's, uh, we see literally everyone. So the United States is the biggest uh, contributor financially and the biggest generator of pornography on planet Earth these days. So we, we, we film more pornographic movies and we spend more money on it than anywhere else. And that's not a great legacy for our once proud nation. Not at all. Due to the harm that comes from it. And if people think that, well, porn, it's just, you know, enjoying looking at sex, that'd be a very ignorant in these days view of it because most of those participants are not voluntary. There's a lot of indentured uh, servitude. There's a lot of drug abuse and manipulation. And a lot of those people's lives are not their own. And the, the depictions that you're witnessing are not uh, voluntary. And so uh, that's, that's something that everybody needs to realize by watching it and just clicking on that content, you're supporting something that's very, very harmful. And even if you're not clicking or, or watching uh, child pornography, if you're still clicking on any sort of pornography, you're ultimately funding an organization or, or a company that is probably conducting child porn as well. So we have to be careful what we support out there. And um, porn, like any other addiction, it gets to where when people start off with a little bit, they don't realize that it gets worse and worse and worse because a little doesn't do it after a while. And that's, I know that by talking to the child predators that come for children in our joint sting operations that we run. And I'll ask the predator after we've caught him. And sometimes even before he knows that we're about to handcuff him, hey, what got you fixated on children rather than a full-grown, healthy female adult? And they'll inevitably say, well, it's porn because I started off watching a certain type of porn and then you know, fast forward years later, here I sit. So it is dangerous and it's insidious. It's heartbreaking to hear you speak of this. And I know uh, the listeners here at America Out Loud are, are probably, uh, their hearts are breaking as well as we listen to this. When you, when you look at the children, where are they coming from? I, I see that anywhere from 460,000 to 750,000 children go missing every year in America the ages, how old are they and, and where are they coming from? Yeah, well, we're seeing every age, literally from infant level all the way up through aging out, if you will, for that's in most states, that's 18. But a lot of them are coming across the border now. It's the, the federal law enforcement agents that I know are demoralized because their hands are politically tied. They are ordered not to stop people from coming into the United States, but to assist them in through coming into the United States illegally due to a political agenda. Well, that's demoralizing for a lot of the Border Patrol agents. We're seeing record rates of suicide from the agents that, that are conflicted and, and demoralized. And so there's a, a radical increase in unaccompanied minors that are coming into the United States. 
well, what's becoming of these these children? Uh, we're tracking flights that are that are run illegally, and that begs a whole other list of questions that I, I don't have time to get into here. But there's a lot of people benefiting from the chaos and the lack of control and the lack of safety on our southern border right now. So a lot of children are being brought from all over planet Earth into the United States without any parents. And of course, the Mexican drug cartels collect a fee and control and send the children wherever they're told to send the children. I would hope and pray that they're going somewhere to their biological parents. But in most cases, I don't believe that that's the case at all because of how much depravity and corruption we're witnessing. So some of them are coming from Child Protective Services where CPS and state dependent, obviously, can target single moms that are easier victims, especially if she may be from a foreign country and maybe work in multiple jobs and doing her best as a single mom, CPS can go in and accuse her of being an unfit parent and take her children. And she may not know what legal recourse she has. So CPS can take her children, put them in a foster care system, and then the child then goes from one foster care family to the next. Some foster care parents are very loving and good, decent people. Many of them are. But some, as in any aspect of society, are not and abusive. And from family to family, at some point, what we're being told is these children go off the books. And then once there's no record on the child, that anything goes. That child can be sold for organ harvesting or satanic ritual abuse or murder or whatever, child trafficking. So that's heartbreaking. Um, many more come from runaways. The child predators know where children go when they're running away. They go to bus stations. They go to different places where they can get shelter and transportation and the predators are waiting for them. And they have a game, you know, whole system that they can approach the child and assure the child that um, they're going to be looked after and fed and provided shelter and then groomed and then eventually made to perform sex for, for those services. So, it's, it's really a cross-section. The children come from everywhere. Every manner by which a predator can gain access to a child, they're going to capitalize on it. So we just have to become much more educated as a society and much more protective of our children, a lot less naive in thinking mm -hmm. that somehow, you know, it, it's going to be okay. That, um, all of this perversion and, and demoralization of our culture is going to somehow work out to be okay. Uh, there's a catastrophic price to be paid. And there's a lot of destruction happening right now. So it's just back to getting to what works. A loving mother and father raising well-grounded, healthy, secure children who can look after themselves. You know, that's, um, that's the way it's intended to be. And what we have now is utter chaos chaos and, and mayhem and it's um you know it's leading to predictable catastrophic results you're listening to craig Solman sawyer former navy seal and u.s marshal he started uh, vets for child rescue.org and that is uh, vets for the number four so when you go and look for him make sure that you put in that number four 
Craig, you also did a movie. Let's talk a little bit about the movie that you have that can also people can go watch and, and spread it around to help get that message out. Yes, sir. And real quick uh, for clarity, there's a difference between the U.S. Marshal Service and the Federal Air Marshal Service, and uh, I was a Federal Air Marshal. Okay, well, thank you, a, thank you for your service yeah. on on both of them too. As a, also on the Navy Seal. Thank you. I just didn't want anybody uh, confused on that. So, um, well, we spent three years filming Contraland, and you can watch it at ContralandMovie.com. It's a good faith public service alert. We offered it at no charge. And we filmed it specifically to show the American populace what we all deserve to know about the factual evidence on what's happening to children with this whole child trafficking issue. So in it, we interview experts of every kind, national security legends like Jack Farmer, uh, Dr. Judith Reisman, who spent 50 years exposing uh, science fraud, Alfred Kinsey, who was paid to normalize the notion of child rape and whose science fraud actually is still to this day the basis of what we call the sexual revolution in the United States. Um, all of these experts, we bring in surviving victims, witnesses. Uh, we show you the joint operations we'd run with federal and local law enforcement where child predators come running for the children. When we put up ads offering a 12 or 13 year old child uh, for sex or for sale, and it's sickening, but it's empowering to see just how quickly and how many predators will come. As one example, in Connecticut, we're talking about a nice area. We put out a, an ad for a 12 year old girl for sex, and in 30 days, a local ad now, not a national ad, a local ad, 5,000 predators responded in one month for one ad. Were you able to arrest so, any of those, Craig? Yes, we were. Yep, we got five of them there in uh, the first three days. So it's um, <laughs> it, it was an eye-opener to the law enforcement there because they, they realized, you know, after the second or third one came, they're like, my God, we didn't realize it was this prevalent here. We've got children. In this town, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you do. And that's that's what we're finding. This um, People, even law enforcement, don't know how many predators are out there until we show them in our operations. And it's, it's an eye-opener for everyone. How often are you going around the country and doing sting operations? When we can. And we, we've just came off of one about three weeks ago, and we've I just got off a, a, a joint meeting with a, a DA and another accounting earlier today, and we're going to set up as soon as we can some more. So it really is dependent upon if a district attorney or an, an AUSA will prosecute. So if we have the prosecuting entity willing to serve and protect in good faith, then we can run the operations. But there is no point in running an operation if the governing body or the the, the the judicial system won't prosecute. So yeah. without getting into a big political issue in this conversation, there is a globalist billionaire. He's a household name pretty much now infamous, I would say. And it's, it's not a theory. It's, it's 
demonstrable fact, nobody seems to be hiding it, that this billionaire funds the campaigns of district attorneys, judges, and attorneys general with the agreement that if he funds their campaigns and gets them in those seats, they will not prosecute child sex crimes. Well, Craig, you're talking about George Soros, and yes, you you didn't hear the first half of this hour, but that's what it was about. I actually had the uh, Matt wow. Palumbo, who wrote the book on the man behind the curtain, understanding George Soros. So don't be don't be afraid to mention George Soros's name in this program because that's what we're talking about. So keep going, please. Okay. Well, I'm actually glad to hear that because there's such a low tolerance for the truth in so many platforms. So many of the criminals are so protected, and some of the so many of the American patriots and the concerned mothers are deemed to be somehow uh, domestic terrorists just for being, you know, truth speakers. And sure. so, I, I have to ask, how is it that we are allowing such a glaring conflict of interest to have an, a very anti-American billionaire openly funding the campaigns? of judges and DAs with the agreement that they will not prosecute entire categories of harmful crimes. I don't care what the crime is, what the issue is. If it's a harmful crime, how can any country allow someone hostile to that country, even if he wasn't hostile to our country, even if he was just a psychopath, if he's funding them with the agreement that they won't prosecute entire categories of crime, how is that allowed? How is that legal? How is that not a glaring conflict of interest that is of national emergency in its urgency of correction? Yet it's crickets. Mm. It's status quo. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Say no more. Say no more. Everybody's been bought off and down the toilet. You know, our, our country goes like, when do we say enough and start actually draining the swamp and getting back to what is effective? and serving the American people in good faith and getting back to a healthy United States where, where things make sense and we serve and protect in good faith and we can start to heal as a nation because right now what's happening is utterly destructive. I think that's a good way to end this little segment here. And I really do appreciate you coming on. And I want you to come back so that we will have maybe a full hour to discuss this issue because when it comes to this child sex trafficking, everyone needs to be aware of it. We need to get so angry about it that we flip tables in this country, that we have had enough of it. And I'm really thankful for you coming here and also for the work that you're doing every day. Again, that website is Vets for childrescue.org. And again, tell everybody where they can go find your movie. Yes, sir. They can go to ContraLandMovie.com. It is also on our main website. It's linked there as well. So we try to make it easy to find. And if you just go into the search engine and type in the word ContraLand, you should be able to, to find it. So Booker, I appreciate your your time and your willingness to cover this subject and have me on and uh, I will be happy to come back again another time so bless you for being a truth speaker and everybody that, that prays over our organization and the, the children that we fight to safeguard and uh, and help share the word because that's how we make a safer place for children. You know that's a really tough subject to talk about and it's really sad that we even have to have an organization like Craig's to try to keep children safe. 
but that's the world we live in in 2023. We're trying to make a difference here at America Out Loud, and we're trying to get you involved and to get loud. We've been doing it for seven years here behind Malcolm Out Loud and his great show every Sunday. It's called Viewpoint this Sunday, but that's the objective is to get you to get involved in your own local community. And it's something that I would love to see you do. We have great shows here on America Out Loud. We have attorney Tom Renz every day. We also have Tony Schaefer, former military intelligence. We have Dr. Peter McCullough with his own show. As always, thank you so much for being the best part of the America Out Loud Network. And thanks for joining me for this hour, which has been brought to you by 4Patriots.com. Just go to that website, use the keyword out loud for 10% discount on anything in their store at 4Patriots.com. And remember, you are the salt of the earth, so be salty. You've been listening to Our Lives in Politics on the America Out Loud Network.